Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. Never did our guest realize that by running away to Dubai, he would actually finally find himself. From cabin crew to mindset coach, this is an emotional journey that touches upon all things from abortion to alcoholism, sexuality, and family ties. Definitely an episode not to be missed. I've always said to my cousins, we could give the Kardashians a run for their money. From what I know, in order to have an abortion, you've got to find a heartbeat. Okay. So when they found the heartbeat, she was like, you know, I can't, I, I can't do this. Where is my space? Where, where do I belong? If I don't belong there and if I don't belong here where I'm sp- supposed to belong, yeah. where do I belong? To this day, I don't know who my biological dad is. Oh, really? Yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea what he looks like. So you were running away from everything. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. Let's dive straight in. Well, that's the way to start. Let's dive straight in, We are going to dive straight in. Lily, I'm very excited for another episode today. I know, and I'm excited to hear you pronounce this one. Today, I have someone who I met, I can't remember, I think it's like seven years ago. Would have been seven. It was around seven, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking back at uh, uh, like something which popped up on Facebook, I think, the other day. Today we have Tony Salui. Well done, well done. done. Epic. There we Damn. go. Another one I lost. <laughs> Always. How are you doing? I'm good. Welcome I'm good. to our Thank podcast you for studio. Me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's good. You. It's good. Now, Dan has told me a little bit about your story, mm-hmm. but you've got one hell of a story. It's been one hell of a roller one coaster One hell of a ride, huh? Because mm-hmm. I've not seen you for so long. Like, mm-hmm. I just see things popping up on social media. And it's been like a complete change. Complete turnaround. Well, okay. let's let's start with when you met. When you met, Tony was... <laughs> cabin crew for cabin Emirates. Crew I was for with Emirates. Yeah. Uh, how'd you end up at Emirates? Do you want the truth? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> love I mean, the truth. It's, it's a truthful podcast. So yeah. I was running. I was running away. Okay. I was really? running away from a very intense relationship that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself in the Middle East. No way. But how, because you, you were you were in Australia or in New Zealand? New Zealand. New Zealand. How does New Zealand end up in Dubai? Uh, literally. It was an ad? Or? I was just trying to find a way out. Wow. Literally just on Google search looking for jobs. I wanted to travel. I only knew the airlines in that Australia. area of the world, like that, Qantas and in New Zealand. Yeah. I knew nothing about Emirates. I had heard of Emirates. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is an interesting airline. Let's apply for a job there. I applied and I got it. Were you always in airlines? I was in sales for airlines. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't actually flying, but I was willing to take whatever came away. (laughs) Just to get out. Get out of here. Wow. And when was that? 2014. How did mum and dad take that? So they had moved from New Zealand to Australia. And I was still in New Zealand. And so the idea was for me to move to Australia mm-hmm. and be closer to them. Okay. Gee, that didn't work out. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm moving, but to Dubai. And they're like, where? I'm like, yeah, where <laughs> is that? It's like, yeah, 17 hours away. Yeah. Um, More. And we, I didn't know much about the Middle East. I was just, I was willing to go wherever. Um, I didn't even know it was a Muslim country. Really? That's how much I Lots knew. Lots of people didn't, don't know the region. True. Uh, yeah. I just find it really interesting that, like, you know, you were literally looking for anything yeah. to, to leave. Any, any way to get out and wow. just not be there. 
and mm. then here I am. Yeah. So you lived in New Zealand. Yes. But born, and ra- born and raised in New Zealand. Okay. Mm-hmm. But your heritage is from Samoa, Samoa, which is a little island yeah. in the middle of the South Pacific. Which has incredible culture, by the way, because you helped me on a project once, I yes, remember. Yes, and yes. you were educating me on all things South Pacific, which is awesome. Yeah. So it's a, I mean, whenever I talk about Samoa, people are like, oh, no, where is that? And so when I mention names like uh, countries like Fiji or Hawaii, they're like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's very, it's well, in the it's, it's surprising people didn't just assume you were a New Zealander. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd get that as well, wouldn't you? Well, actually, out here in the Middle East, I always get mistaken for Middle Eastern. Well, there Interesting you go. Enough. Interesting. A man of I, many I faces. I understand why. man of many faces. There we go. You mean yeah. like TV commercials for something. Yeah. They, yeah, I've always been mistaken for like some somewhere in the Middle East. I think because they don't, people are not familiar with what Polynesians look mm. like. Yeah, and so the closest thing that they can associate me to would be Middle Eastern. So, Polynesian kid, mm-hmm. but never grew up there. Uh, well, New Zealand is Polynesian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's but part of the Polynesian region, but it's the most, I'd say, colonized part of right. Polynesia. So, yeah. how was that growing up for you? Like, was it what was it like at home? It was a very, uh, for me personally, I've always, as far as I can remember, I've always been someone that needed to make things make sense. Mm. Like I needed yeah. things to add up and for me to understand them, I needed like two plus two because yep. four, like I needed things to align. And so it was a very interesting place to grow up because there was a lot of identity clashes. Yeah. Right. Um, so my family migrated from the Pacific Islands to New Zealand for a better life. So that's the main purpose we're in New Zealand is to become successful in the sense of being a doctor or Mm. a lawyer of some sort. Mm. And so you're growing up in this environment where you're encouraged to embrace the culture of New Zealand, but not so much to the point where you lose your own identity. Okay. Um, So you're going to school and you're being labeled at school as an outsider, you know, because we're foreigners to the majority in New Zealand. Okay. So you get labeled names like coconut or a fob, which is derogatory. Yeah, of course. Um, and so you instantly get the sense of you don't belong here. Yeah. Right. I grew up in Australia, so I get it. So you know these terms, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you go home and you'll start, you know, you're studying the education that they offer you there. And when you go home and you start bringing these ideas home, then you're now labeled as what we would refer to as a fear balangi or you want to be white. Ah. And so now in the home you're being labelled as you don't belong, and so it's this really confusing space to exist like in. No where, man's land. Yeah, like where where is my space? Where where do I belong? If I don't belong there, and if I don't belong here, where I'm sp- supposed to belong? Yeah. Where do I belong? And so that, that's the environment that I grew up mm. in, in this very chaotic space of where do I fit in? Where is my space? Where, where do I belong? Interesting. So I'm going to go fast forward a little bit to now because mm. I've been seeing lots of your content about your culture mm-hmm. and you've been a big advocate for that and you've been doing performances and yes. getting people together. Yes. Like, do you think that kind of experience that you had growing up and younger mm-hmm. has impacted that now? Do you know what? To answer that question truthfully, my experience here in the Middle East is what offered me that confidence to embrace who you are. My ethnicity. Yeah. Mm. For the, I mean, like growing up in that space where you're constantly being reminded that you don't belong here, you're not part of the collective. And then to come out here into the Middle East and be, I wouldn't say worship, but like everyone that I met would be like, you're from Samoa. Oh my God, you're so exotic. And I'm like, really? What? But, but that's I the am. beauty of Dubai, right? It's about the tolerance. Yes. Yeah. There yeah. is no single identity here. Mm. 
It's wild, a collective wild, of identities. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a collective identities. Yeah. Like, like I've always said it about Australia, and I might get shot down for saying this, but I always, you know, I felt the same way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being a Persian kid growing up in Australia, although Australia was known as a multicultural society, I always said for being multicultural, we're very white. Yeah. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. didn't embrace all the different cultures. It's much better now. But when I first moved there, it was oh. the same thing. You had to fit. And if you didn't look apart, yeah. like I'll say I'm Australian. And the first thing I hear is, yeah, but where are you originally from? Yeah, I get I'm that. like, I could be yeah. third generation Australian for all you know. You're from, so yeah. I, I understand what you're saying mm-hmm. about how it's completely different here. Yeah. And that helps you embrace yourself yeah, more. Absolutely. I mean, for the first time in my 20 something years, I'm being asked about me mm. people are actually yeah. interested in hearing my story and they want to, they can see me mm. which is a very different contrast to where you're not being seen and you're not being heard and you arrive here in dubai and everyone's looking at you mm. yeah and they want to know your story and they're, they're fascinating the, so that's where that journey has come from in terms of embracing my ethnic background because yeah. i've learned to see it as a a space of um diversity as mm. opposed to something to be ashamed of it's incredible. So yeah. our listeners out there might be wondering how we've gone from being cabin crew to What's covering these sorts of topics. <laughs> I mean, like Tony just mentioned then, Doing you know, performances. his story. I was like, yeah. what is your story? And like, take it all the way back yeah, as far as, you know, where, where you want to go to. It's probably, it makes sense to start right at the beginning. Yes. Right? Yeah. So mum, mum's one of 11 mm-hmm. yeah. and she grew up in Samoa is a, is a country that was colonized and the culture was completely I'm speaking from now. Yeah. This is not how I grew up to understand it. This mm-hmm. is me, 2023, looking back and making sense of the patterns that came along. Um, so the, the culture that she grew up in was very colonized. It was very, um, a strong mix of religion mm-hmm. and culture. Mm-hmm. Very strong religion culture. So um, she didn't have the same freedoms that we would have today the freedom to be authentically you. Um, you had to conform and you had to grow up in the space where you needed to live up to mum and dad's expectations and, and to make the greater community proud. And you were given your identity. You didn't get to choose it. Okay. Um, and so when she arrived in New Zealand, she kind of, I think she was in her, she'd just turned 20 when she arrived in New Zealand. She was still a, still a child. Yeah. Um, and she gets unleashed into this world of freedom. And she fell pregnant, which is the complete opposite of what the, what we had moved to New Zealand for. And so that pregnancy was highly frowned upon. Mm. And the father of her child begged her to... wouldn't well, actually beg her. didn't actually really give her an option. It was like, you're getting an abortion because... That's harsh. Having yeah. a child is not an option for us. Back in the 80s, it was outside of wedlock and yep. breaking, you know, tradition and culture and yep. religious expectations. Every, every, every rule in the yep. book, they've broken it. Mm. And so he was like, we're going to hide this and we're going to get rid of it. She arrives at the clinic and she's about to go through the process. And as she, to, 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 from what I know, in order to have an abortion, you've got to find a heartbeat. Okay. And so when they found the heartbeat, she was like, you know, I can't, I, I can't do this. For her, it was the moment she decided, no, I'm, I don't care what the outcome is. I'm having this child. And then That's she came. That's very brave. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's a, I mean, like. It would be terrifying as well mm, at the same time. 20. Right? She's 20. She's in a, a foreign country. Yeah. She's. And everything against full her. full well yeah. that it was not going to yeah. be. Uh, 
and that the outcome of that decision, regardless, it's going to change your life forever. Change, yeah, and be challenging. It's a huge, and and that's an appreciation that I've learned over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, putting myself in her shoes because growing up, you don't have that no. mental capacity to be like, I wonder what it would be like to be mum and dad. Mm. Right? Yeah, you're just you build up with all this rage and anger and frustration, and like you could have done better. Yeah, but now at this age, when you put yourself in mum and dad's shoes, you're like, wow, you did the best that you could given the circumstances and knowing my grandfather i mean if i had if i i think if i was in that position i'd be like just let's go through with it because my grandfather was a staunch staunch man i love him to bits yeah um but he was he was a very hard man and well, so he was a product of his generation yeah yeah just generational trauma and patterns being passed down and so for my mom to, to make that decision and decide i'm going to have this child it was a huge decision and something that i mean i'm Obviously, without this, that decision, I wouldn't be here, right? I was just saying, because that, that child is that you. Child that you. child's me. Wow. Yeah. So she comes out of that clinic and she tells him she's... Can I ask you a question? Sure. At what age did you... F yeah. What age were you told this truth? So that's... that. that I mean, that's the, sto the whole story, right? Mm. Um, a lot of this is me that's my journey is yeah, i've yeah. had to put the pieces together, together myself because everything was in silence everything was hidden there was this secrecy mm. and it's like i said before everything needed to make sense to me i needed mm. things to add up and, and it wasn't adding up yeah that's what that's what didn't add up to me it was like well that doesn't make any sense to me like if we're if this is normal why aren't we able to talk about it? Why are we hiding it? Why is it being kept in the dark? That's yeah. the part that didn't make sense to me. I could come to terms with the fact that things were really messed up. Mm -hmm. I could make peace with the trauma that I had to live through. Like that's just that those are the cards that I was dealt with. What I couldn't make sense of was, okay, so if this is normal behavior, why are we not talking about it? Yeah. Like, like for example, and this is really just getting to the truth of it as a kid like getting hidings was what i i mean we say it's normal yeah. like being hit as being normal yeah. growing up in that time and era but nothing about it felt normal to me mm. i would say it's common like the kids around me were having the same experiences we yeah. were all products of th this trauma but nothing about it for me as a child ever felt normal it never felt normal to me to be hit like to see this rage and this emotion like, where is it really coming yeah, from? That's what didn't make sense to me. Your mom decides to keep you. Yes. She's got to go home and tell your grandfather. Yeah. Your grandfather's a really staunch product of his mm -hmm. generation. How did that go? Because then that connects to all the rage yeah. that comes later. Well, so first of all, she comes out and she tells my biological dad. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, you've made your decision, whatever. The next day he, he vanishes. He disappears. Without a word. Without a word. So my biological father, this is me, again, we're coming from back now, to now. Yeah. Now that I've put the pieces of the puzzle together, he was actually my mum's brother's best friend. Oh, wow. So he was actually very, very close to the family. There's yeah. five brothers. and he was. Oh, no wonder he ran away. He's like, they're going to kill yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, well, he was considered to be the sixth brother, apparently. He was oh, very close to the extension of the family. Yeah, he was an extension to the family. And I think that's probably why he was like, we can't have this kid yeah. because... They're going to kill me. Yeah, gonna gonna kill your brothers are going to kill yeah, me. Your brothers are going to literally kill me. Mm. And interestingly enough, she found out that he'd left because her brothers had said, oh, we just dropped him off to the airport this morning. 
<laughs> that's how she found out. That's how she found out was for her brother. Oh, wow. Which is a very... Ouch. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think if you put yourself... If I put myself in her shoes, everything that's being thrown at her, I'm like, wow, that takes a, a lot, lot of resilience yeah. and strength, strength to yeah. still be here. Yeah. Yeah. So, Grandad was actually still living in the islands at the time. Okay. And her older sister was due to get married that year, and it was a big affair, family affair. It was a big... Yeah. It's almost like Megan and Harry getting married. Okay. Um, so it was a big, big wedding and they came over and he, Grandad decided everything right down to the cutlery and everything about this wedding. He was, he made all the decisions for the family yeah. and he had decided that my mum would be her maid of honour. And so they were all living in based in Wellington mm-hmm. and she had run away down to Christchurch to have this child mm-hmm. me. And so when he arrives and he starts putting this wedding together and he's like, well, where is she? Because she's the maid of honour and they're like looking at each other like, who's, who's going to tell, yeah. tell him? <laughs> <laughs> he actually had a stroke. Yeah. Like yeah. immediately. I'm not sure no. if it was immediately, but like, it, like once everything, yeah, once everything kind of sank in and it kind of started to settle, he ended up in hospital with a stroke. Oh. It was quite, I think, again, being a product of who he was and what he grew up in. It was a lot to kind of process. Yeah. And now I've got, you know, I've, I've worked my entire life to avoid the very thing that's happening I, right I've, now. I worked my life yeah. to give them opportunity yeah. and they... And the, yeah, they're doing the opposite of what yeah. I've given my entire life, devoted my entire life to. Wow. I've always said to my cousins, we could give the Kardashians a run for their money. Yeah, <laughs> the whole reality TV show going on here now. Like oh. the amount of drama that happens in our family, I'm wow. just like, yo, we could run a TV show, a reality TV show. <laughs> we'll make that happen for the next one. So yeah, uh, he had a stroke and um, from what I've heard, the words that he kind of came up with was like, he's, she's dead to me. Like, it's, oh. we're done. And grandma, that's where the beauty of my grandmother came in. As we all know, mums, mm. mothers, and and women, and uh, you know, women, they have this ability mm. to. I believe they are peacekeepers. Mm. Yeah, they're the true. ones who heal the trauma that we um, we live through. And so she, through her work, um, brought my mum back up, mum and I back up from Christchurch to Wellington, and she made amends. And I ended up being raised by grandma and grandpa. Okay, because mum was still obviously very yeah. young. Yeah, very very young. I mean, like they've they'd raised eleven children, and so what's what's, what's one another more? one? Yeah. What's another one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But how was your grandfather with you? Because that's that's a real clash of emotions for it him. It is. I mean, like, and so this, and so this is the interesting thing is, is that he then became my dad. Yeah. Right. So, while and having said what I've already said, he was a very hard, staunch man. Um, I was able to see a different side to him. So my aunties and uncles, his 11 children, probably had a very traumatic experience with him growing up as as their dad. Um, and here I am seeing this very soft side of him. Um, you know, there were days where he wasn't so soft, but I, I experienced a very delicate side of him that I don't think many of our family really saw. Yeah. Um, I think age had a lot to do with that. He was at that at an age where he wasn't, I, I don't know, maybe as strong and fit to kind of keep up this facade of being the, the yeah. dignified leader that he was back in the Pacific Islands. And he was kind of like making peace with the fact that this is life. This is how yeah. things happen. Things work out for the best. Um, so, yeah, I saw a side of granddad growing up that was very soft and very caring and very, interestingly enough, timid. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
which is a word that probably many people wouldn't associate with him because he he gave this facade to everyone that he was. Well, this experience very, made him human. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It softened him. Yeah, it's yeah, very much so. So I have a very very special bond with both my grandparents. Yeah, mum was obviously a very young mother to cope with the responsibilities of having a child in that time and era yeah. and at that age. And so I got the, I think looking back now, I really got the best of everything because I had grandma, grandpa, I had mum, I had her five brothers and her five sisters. And then along came my stepdad who arrived when I was about three. Okay. That was a bit of a tug of war as well, right? Because three years of becoming granddad's little kid. Yeah. And then a new father figure coming in was a bit of a tug of war. And God, he wouldn't have wanted to let you go by that point. No, no, no. Ne- neither of my grandparents wanted to. Yeah. Oh, I actually stayed with them until I was about, I think, six or seven. Okay. And then mum and dad were like, it's time for him to come home. It's time for us to have him. We're able to parent now. Yeah. 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 And so dad is of Maori descent. And so again, I mean, obviously at the time of growing up, I was in the thick of trauma. Yeah. Right. And so I wasn't able to make sense of this trauma that was happening around me. Mm. Um, now that I look back, I can see how everything worked in my favor. Yeah. So now my dad, who's of Maori descent, is exposing me to this massive family. Another. So he's one of 14. Okay. Wow. So I've got a family. Mum's one of 11. And now yeah. I've just had this extended family kind of branch out. Now, when you say so. dad, are you talking about your biological dad or your stepdad? Stepdad. Yeah. I mean, like at the age of three, you kind of don't really have the tools to make sense no, of, not of, of who no. is who and these relational ties that you have with people. So I, to this day, I don't know who my biological dad is. Oh, really? Yeah. No. I have no idea. I have no idea what he looks like. What? And Mum never showed you a photo? No. No. I don't even know if they have any. Wow. I mean, and so this, going back to this, the secrecy and the, yeah. Yeah, and, the and hiding things in the dark as a kid. You kind of like you have your bearings about you, and you you still want to try and make things add up. And for me, I was like, this doesn't feel normal to yeah. me. Something doesn't feel right, and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and it was the the shame of the whole scenario that kept everything hidden in the dark. And then come fast forward to where I am now, I'm able to look back and see pieces of the puzzle kind yeah. of fit together because i want to kind of talk about touch upon now mm. because you've changed considerably mm-hmm. so like again like i said when we met like you're working for, for emirates cabin uh-huh. crew um in that career path and then you've gone into a completely different direction now mm-hmm. i guess what was that catalyst for that change what made you do that and what is that now i became very aware of my patterns mm. i became very aware of like i said i need everything to kind of add up and for so long things still didn't add up even though I was now an adult things in my mind still didn't make sense like I knew that I had a dad and I knew I had a mum and I knew that there was something off about that story and how it came to be but I didn't have it in black and white I didn't have the equation make sense for me mm-hmm. and so that's what spurred me I mean like went back when you met me yeah I was coping I was just. Did you know of, you were coping at the time? No. I knew. I mean, the, the way that I was drinking was the indication that something was not, I wouldn't say off, but like I just knew that the way that I was drinking wasn't healthy. 
Mm. And you mean that by like socially excessive or? Yeah, it became yeah. what I needed to. So you were either flying or drinking in your downtime. Mm. Wow. So yeah. you were running away from everything. Yeah, literally, literally. Not existing. Because when you're flying, you don't yeah. exist. When you're drinking, yeah. you don't, don't exist. exist. You're trying to hide. Yeah, you was... ran away from you. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the beauty of this journey is that I realized, I thought I was running away from. Your family. Everyone else. But you were but running, you away, running from away from yourself. yourself. I was running away from me. Wow. When was yeah. the moment you realized that? What was like, you know, what was the. It was the day that I, I'd woken up still drunk and my brother saw, I think he just, he messaged me and he was like, Hey, I see you're online. And I just broke. I don't know what it was that broke. Um, but I knew that there was something that needed to come, come out that day. So how many years had you been working at Emirates at, by that point? What year how is far this? into your journey? 2018, 17, 18, 18, I think it was 2018. My brother was online and we were just chatting and he was like, what's up? And I just said, I'm not in a good space. And he was like, oh, what do you mean? And I literally just, you know how like <laughs> you kind of intend to just have like a little conversation. The floodgates. Yeah, literally, the whole thing came like, up. It was almost like the dam broke and everything just came lashing out. And he was like, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Because there was um, nothing kind of that triggered that in that moment you literally say you just woke up and you were i think i was exhausted it was just yeah. building up right yeah, I think it was you, chipping you got away. to the point where you were just completely burned yeah i think i, I reached a point where i couldn't hold the, the facade of yeah. who i was trying to hold up interestingly enough like my grandfather did his entire life Interesting. so i'd reached I, it was almost like this full circle that i come into and i was starting to see all these generational patterns mm. come yeah. around in full circle and seasons completing themselves i'm like yo Hold up. Mm. Yeah. I've seen this somewhere before. I've seen yeah. this go wrong yeah, before. I was like, this, I've seen this before. Where have I seen this before? Um, and so my my brothers and my sister are very close to me. They're very special to me. They, in the trauma that I grew up in, they were the people that were there alongside me growing up through that trauma. And so we have a very special bond and very special connection in that sense. Um, but not in the sense that we talked about it. So how many siblings are you guys? Two brothers and one sister. One sister. So four. Four, four of, of us. Yeah. Okay. Again, that dynamic of we never openly spoke about our feelings. We never yeah. sat down and dove into mm. you know what was going on deeper than surface yeah. level. It was just how we, not even how are you? It was just we were just existing in the yeah. same household. And so that day that I kind of broke down to my brother was I think the first time in our relationship and even with my other two siblings where we had kind of really seen each other for the first time. And that was me coming out sexually as well, yeah. telling him the whole truth. At the same time? At the same time. Like I literally well, you may as well, You may as well yeah, go like, while well, you're there. Well, let's just well, get well, it all we're out. Doing it, let's <laughs> don't want to come back here again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And it was the first time I'd ever uttered any of who I really was yeah. to any member of my family. Um, and... I don't think I would choose anyone else out of all the family members that I have. I so think he called you at the right time. I think he was the perfect person to meet it. So for how old are you by this time? 2018, I was 30. So up to the age of 30, you actually 30 weren't being you. Yeah, for 30 years. Wow, that's a I long had, time. I, it yeah. was a long time. And it was exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Well, so the breakdown. Without yeah. realizing it mm. was. Yeah, again, like when nobody shows you in your childhood when i mean like how many of us can 
put up her hands and say, when I was growing up, mum used to ask me why I was crying and let's talk about our mm. feelings. No, and never. It's like, <laughs> buck up. They just didn't know it was that. just... You, it was you like, got, man up. It was <laughs> like, deal with it. You got to... Um, Suck it me, up. We got to look. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that one, was it. That was it. Yeah. It was... You just knew. Okay. The tears dried yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> the crying stopped and, you know, you, you suppressed. Yeah. But essentially, that's what it was. Now that I look back, I realized I was suppressing, like mm -hmm. watching these signals from mum and dad and grandma and grandpa and aunties and uncles, that look or that motion to get back in line it was this pattern of ah this is where i'm supposed to bottle yeah. everything up yeah and after 30 years of suppressing you get to a point where you reach kind of not sustainable yeah. yeah so after that breaking point what happened then i got addicted to it to the <laughs> opening up and the... to t telling the truth yeah but you were still at emirates i was still at emirates okay so i got addicted to telling the truth because telling the truth and being completely honest just felt so liberating yeah. it felt so it good. such a relief it was such a relief and for me it was like i gotta do that again mm. like i can't just go back but what happened once once you told your brother what what happened with you and the family because clearly there would have been a support that happened because here's their brother mm -hmm. on the other side, of the, the other side of the world yeah. you know it's not like all right cool bro bye yeah what happened next he my poor brother. I don't think he had anticipated that conversation to go down. I don't think he was like, I think today's the day that all hell is going to break loose with Tony. Yeah. I think it was actually a lot for him to shoulder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and he went, he was actually at work. This is what I've heard since then. He was at work and he had to go home halfway through the day because he couldn't bear that carry yeah. that way. I mean, it was a very heavy thing for me but to come But it's also his brother. Yeah. yeah. Right. This is what and he's and halfway he's miles away the world and can't, and can't do anything. Right. Yeah. 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 And so he went home and he had a bit of a breakdown himself and opened up to his partner and they kind of carried that. And so they reached out to me and said, look, we love you and we, you know, you're our brother and there's, there's nothing that's going to change about that. How the rest of the family deals with that, that, that we can't speak on that. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I know. Well, yeah. we get addressed yeah, later. Yeah. But for me, that it was like a lifeline. That was the lifeline. That was yeah. the lifeline. Like, at least for me, I was like, at least I've still got my brother. Like, yeah. if, I, if, I, if I've only got my brother, I'm happy with that. But that moment is probably would have been very pivotal to the fact that you became addicted to telling the yes. truth. Because had he yes. reacted differently, it's true. could yeah. have bottled you back. straight back in. It could have yeah, made back, it even worse. Yes, 100%. Kudos to your brother. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, and I, hopefully when he listens to this, I don't think he knows the gravity of what he did for me that yeah. day. It was mm. such a, a big thing, and I I hope he knows it for listening to this. But so, yeah, so he was like, look, we, we love you, yeah. and we accept you for who you are, and we'll always have your back, no matter what. Yeah. How the rest of the family take this on, we'll, we'll be there for, yeah. with you through all of it. Um, I think... I'm not sure whether this is the truth, but I think he might have dropped a few hints to mum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because not Perhaps long after so. that, she I, get, I get some messages from mum saying, is everything okay? Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just checking in. <laughs> I was like, what has he said? Yeah. And so I asked, I was like, has Jesse said something? And she said, mm, he he just said that you should probably check in with Tony. And I actually, funnily enough, that week that this all happened, I had a, a flight to Melbourne, which is ah. where they all live. Yeah. That's my hometown. Are you from Melbourne? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so this is where all my family live. They all okay. live in Melbourne. They all moved to Melbourne. Practically um, neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a Melbourne flight a few days later and I said to mum, you know what, I think it's best that we can we have a chat then because I, I think this conversation needs to happen in person. Mm -hmm. you know wow. I mean? So I went to Melbourne, jet lagged, exhausted, tired. Emotional. 
emotional. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is something that impacts a lot of crew who might be listening to this is the emotional toll that it takes. Mm. Oh, travel is on brutal. Top, mm, on top of the physical yeah. toll that it takes. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of us as crew manage the physical toll, but, but we, not don't the emotional. Spend a lot, we don't spend any time managing the emotional toll, Ooh. which is probably even more important than the physical, I think. Yeah. So I arrive in Melbourne. Um, Mum was like, let's go for a walk. It was, in, it was February, literally. Yeah. This month. Wow. Eh? And that's summertime. It was scorching hot. She said, let's go for a walk. So we go for a walk. And I knew she was picking at it. She's yeah. like, so tell me what's going on. Yeah. Like, And so in my mind, I thought maybe my brother had said something. But he assured me. He's like, look, that's mother's intuition. Yeah. He's like, this has got nothing to do with me. This is between you and mum. Mum and I are walking, we get to the, but we literally walked for maybe half an hour and I still hadn't seen anything. And she's trying to find a way for me to open, open. get it out yeah. in the open. We finally arrive at this cafe and we're having coffee and she just turns to me and she's like, so do you have a girlfriend? And I was just like, no. And then for the first time, and this is where I broke down, she just said, was like, well, what do you have a partner? And then you knew. And I knew. Yeah, I just knew, and from then on, I just I broke down, and we had a, a cry together. And she, yeah, I told her, and she said, "Tony, I know." Mother's day. They know. Yeah, my mom knew. She's like, "Your I mom know. knew, right?" Yeah, yeah. They knew. In hindsight, she knew. Yeah, not she at the said, time. She said she she'd had an idea very early on. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I've got two brothers, and so as a mother, you can kind of see see the difference. You can, yeah. yeah, going yeah. back to the like my grandmother, mm. mothers have this. Um, very Sense. natural instinct. Mm. Women yeah. have this natural instinct to nurture and to yeah. love unconditionally. So it was a very emotional time, and I was just think I was just said to mum, I was like, "So if you knew, then why are we having this conversation?" She's like, "Because I needed, needed you. Yeah, she needed to you. Like, yeah, I needed you to know that it had to be your yeah, story. Yeah, not us forcing you. Yeah. to yeah. tell the you story. You had to be ready. Mm. Wow. So yeah. Um, Telling the truth became very addictive to me. Yeah. And th- that's kind of where this journey has kind of led to. Yeah. Not addictive in a bad way, but um, after 30 Life years. Life changing. Of, yeah. Huh. After 30 years of not telling the truth. Yeah. 30 years of hiding in silence and hiding in the You're dark. You're going to spend the next 30 years doing right. nothing but telling the truth. Exactly. And like then it's some... been this huge turnaround. And we'll be like, you know, this is such a healthier way to live and to yeah. exist is to live in the truth. And sometimes that truth can be very painful mm. yeah. like the, the, the truth of what happened in my past and what i grew up with like for example some of the traumas that i mm. lived through yeah that that truth is a painful truth to bear but i believe that l- love and truth are inseparable yeah mm. when there's anything, if you love someone enough you will you always yeah. tell the truth tell the truth no the matter truth. how much it hurts yeah. Yeah, but but, be, but obviously communicating it in a obvious in a not gentle in a, kind. yeah not in a toxic kind of yeah. way but in a healthy way love and truth are always they always go that's hand beautiful in hand. yeah so what's next for Tony what's next for me yeah I'm still I've made peace so I'm at a place now where I'm I've made peace with my journey yeah so far um and it's taken you literally since 2018 to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and a, and going through COVID. COVID, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. COVID was actually a very interesting time for me because it, but during the lockdown, I did, I actually that was when I started to really thrive. Mm. Yeah, because 
I was always, for 30 years, I'd always been alone with, in the darkness with my thoughts. And so during COVID, nothing really changed for me. Mm -hmm. Like, although we were locked up in our apartments, mm -hmm. yeah, not being able to escape, it was almost like, well, this is no different to me. But like, you were also hit with the Emirates redundancies, right? Well, see, that's what propelled, so that propelled that me to where I am be. now, where I, and funnily enough, in 2019, I'd already started dropping hints in the way that I was speaking to my family members and friends mm -hmm. about where I was in terms of my career. And I was like, do I really want to be flying yeah. for the rest of my life? I'm now in my 30s. Is this um, a long-term thing or is this chapter starting to come to an end and yeah. there's something new starting? And then the pandemic, the universe was like... Here's your answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a, a very mysterious way of doing yeah. that. When the time yeah. is right, it will make that yeah. decision for you. It seems like the universe has constantly bumped you in the right direction yeah. in your life. Well, that's the thing. Very... Like, I think what's very interesting about the universe and its nudges is that at the time, it's so uncomfortable. Very. And it feels like the opposite of that, yeah. of that is happening. You hate me. Yeah. Like, um, why is life so hard? Why is it so horrific? This is so crap. Life, life is so dumb. But when you look back at it, and you see how everything turned out. Like I could, I could sit here and tell you the story of how horrific my life was. I could delve into how bad it all was and how, you know, how horrific my life story was. But when I look back at it and I can actually pinpoint the parts of it where I was like, without that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And who you are today. Yeah. Like I, I remember hearing, I can't remember who it was that was saying it was on some podcast and they said, without pain, you can't appreciate relief. And for me, I was like, ah, mm. yeah, that's so, so true. So who are it's, you today? Who am I today? You're not cabin crew, that's for sure. No, I'm a mindset coach. Mm. Yeah, I love um, this. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very fascinated in psychology and understanding the way we operate from our thoughts and our yeah. behaviors and our emotions. And for me, I want to offer that back to the world yeah. to start putting back some of the good that, I mean, like now that I look back at my story and I see all the good that's come my way, I'm like, I need to, get, I need to dance with this. Yeah. You know, I want to get into a dance with this because this is beautiful and I want to spread more awareness. I think the more people in this world that are aware of how they operate, the better it is for humanity yeah. mm. in general. The more people are aware of how their thoughts affect the way that they behave and how they show up in the world, in the end is a greater it, it does greater good for humanity like if you look now at everything that's happening in the world in terms yeah. of like the wars and all of the all of the negative things if you go back to the way that that person is thinking and it kind of it kind of makes sense to you like i can see how they've arrived there i can i can make sense of why they're behaving the way that they yeah, are. Because, why they chose those actions. Yeah, and, and you start studying those patterns mm. and where those patterns came from. And like, for example, my story, yeah. when you start studying those patterns and start figuring out, questioning, asking, well, where did that come from? I wasn't born to be an alcoholic. I wasn't born to be like this. Ooh. I learned this somewhere. You know, I've, I've, I've developed these behaviors from, as a consequence to something. And so when you, study those patterns you you have the ability to hold compassion for people mm. and you're like i can see why you've led yourself down this path of why you've arrived here can we offer you some sort of healing or some sort of um space where you can sit with what is to then help you to head in a more deliberate direction with how you want to live your life wow 
So as a mindset coach, Mm -hmm. what are three pieces of advice you would give our listeners out there? Three pieces of advice. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) I think so. Actually, I was just talking about this earlier this morning. So we have what we call physical hygiene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the first things we probably do in the morning is get up and go jump in the shower, brush our teeth, brush our hair, make ourselves look good. There's also a thing that's called emotional hygiene. Mm. And if you're not practicing routines that takes care of your emotional hygiene, after time it starts to stink and people start to notice. Interesting. I like this. Yeah. Tell us more. How do you uh, do your emotional hygiene? Hygiene. So this is looking at journaling. This is Mm -hmm. looking at um, meditation. Yeah. This is looking at practicing awareness of your thoughts and how you're thinking. Yeah. And I know that sounds very deep to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. when you spend 10 minutes a day just meditating and then yeah. 10 minutes a day just writing. When, when, when I say journal, a lot of people think, oh, that's so lovey-dovey. For me, the way I like to... to um, my relationship with journaling is a, is a thought download. I'm just... Yeah. Down, I'm a brain just dump. dump. Just, just getting a do lot you, of... Do you... Uh, Advise first thing in the morning, like most people do, or does it really it matter? I, 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 everybody's different. Yeah. Some people are more alert later on in the day. Um, there's scientific evidence to prove that after a, a decent night, nine hours or eight hours, however many hours you get of sleep, your brain is very aware and very alert, yeah. and this is the best time to start practicing these practices because the more it's like pumping a a muscle Mm. in the gym right the more you pump blood through the muscle the bigger that muscle gets and it's the same for your brain you've got different regions of your brain and the more Mm -hmm. you practice pumping blood through those regions Mm -hmm. the bigger those regions of the brain get and the more dominant they are Mm -hmm. they show up in your life so just very basic things like meditation journaling even just getting outside i mean like when the sun comes up before it gets into the thick of summer just getting some time outside in the sun getting out in nature and um, we live in a society today where we're always on a laptop on a phone yeah in in the digital world and we're as a species we're not designed to be mm. physical we're human beings yeah. we're supposed to be outside in nature and mm. so just even if it's a 10 minute walk outside even you just sit on your balcony with a cup of coffee yeah so emotional the, hygiene emotional hygiene it helps you be more proactive with how you show up in the world amazing Awesome. It was a beautiful story. Was that, was that one or was that three? Well, I think there was a whole heap of whole yeah. stuff. I like that in there. What do you do first thing in the morning as a last last point before we wrap up? What is the first thing that I do in the morning? Meditation. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know what? It, it, it takes practice because mm-hmm. it's hard. It's, it's not... Especially mm, when you for overthinkers, yeah, it's yeah, really like, hard. It's, re- mm-hmm. it's really like, hard to clear your mind for sure. Like for, yeah. for me, the first thing I would do, and I noticed this, is I would as soon as I became conscious in the morning, I'd notice my hand reaching out for, for the phone. phone. And Interesting. Like, so Stop. studying your studying your patterns. Yeah. Like, what am I doing that I'm not even aware? When your subconscious brain is driving. What are they doing? But then actively doing something to stop that. Yeah, and so I mean, like for me, I had to implement steps to to stop that. So I started charging my phone overnight in the living room. Away. Yeah. So that when I woke up and I was like, oh no, I'm not supposed to be on my phone. I'm sit up and to, meditate. Yeah. And the more the more you repeat, like uh, pumping a muscle in the gym. Yeah. Repetition is the mother of skill. Well, it's of the course. Atomic habits, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Atomic habits. Mm. So the more you practice not going on your phone first thing in the morning and start meditating, it becomes just a natural reflex yeah. to wake up. Like, okay, wow. it's not a struggle anymore to get up and meditate. It's just 
Yeah, this is what I do. Yeah. Tony, Wonderful. thank you so much. We could literally spend all day. I know. We're, we're, very, we're, getting, we're, we're getting the sign to wrap up, wrap I'm up. I can see from the corner of my eye. I've been ignoring it for the last very 20 minutes. Very inspired by your story, Tony. Thank you for sharing that with thank us. You for thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very insightful. Very excited to see um, what you're doing in the future. Thank you for listening to Rooted Within. If you like this episode, please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. <laughs>